Welcome to Beer in a Movie, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes we achieve outstanding pairings, and other times we give ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths, and let me tell you, this is not one of those times. <laughs> With me, as always, <laughs> is see. Joe Hilliard and David Gurney, and today we are going to talk about the Pepsi commercial turned feature film. By Pepsi production. You're kicking it right off here. uh, Uncle Drew. This is a Kyrie Irving, Lil Rel, Howry vehicle um, about a basketball coach that loses his team, his star player, and recruits a bunch of geriatric street ballers to try to propel him to the championship uh, the of the biggest street ball tournament in uh, New York City, in Harlem specifically. Um, in this movie, we have Lil Rel from Get Out fame, as I previously stated. He also has his own um, sitcom coming out on Fox called Rel. Uh, you've got Kyrie Irving, Flat Earther, um, <laughs> Boston Celtic, former uh, Cleveland Cavalier. Uh, and then, to round it out, you've got some perennial greats hall of famers in uh shack shouts out love shack he's come a long way since kazam i will say um you've got chris weber uh nate robinson reggie miller and the wnba legend lisa leslie Mm -hmm. um and that's i mean that sets it up you know they need to win this tournament so all these uh all these retirement home street ballers come Carlos, open the beer because I'm gonna. <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can hear that magnetic pull to this film, and and I'm there with you. But yeah, we yeah, should, we, we should get some. Uh, I'm just so excited about this movie that I totally forgot is, that there's beer attached to this uh, this uh, format of our podcast. So Absolutely. we will open a beer um, to go with Uncle Drew. I have selected um, from Deep Ellum Brewing Company the local legend Sweet Stout. This is nice. well this done. smooth milk stout is one for the books. Legends aren't born, they're brewed. Yeah, that's that's nice. So I, I like the tie in here. Absolutely. So, ooh, very nice. That's some good stuff. That's good I, stuff. I will let uh, I will let our loyal listeners in on uh, a little of the behind the scenes here, uh, just in case Carlos doesn't make it clear. Th- this is an episode that Carlos really vied to have happen he was uh he was pretty excited when uncle drew was uh was announced as a as a release so it was, it was kind of something unavoidable but um but here we are uh getting some local legend poured into our glasses thank you carlos and it is pouring nice and dark like a stout should carlos and did it meet your expectations uncle drew mm-hmm. exceeded tell us let's not get too ahead of ourselves yeah, let's, let's a, talk uh, about this beer just a little bit this is a dark Stout. I mean, it's pouring exactly like you want. Um, black as midnight. Nice. Um, a lighter head than some, maybe. Uh, right. But still. Uh, Definitely well carbonated. I mean, you're well you're getting a fair yeah. amount of head in there, and uh, on top of that, nice roasty nose. I'm digging it. You know, I know I've had this before. Uh, Deep Ellum out of the Dallas area brewery that we've uh, we've been getting distributed down here in South Texas for a couple years now. A lot of good beers that I probably have there um, easy peasy most regularly where mm-hmm. it's on tap. It's a, it's a really sort of sessionable mm-hmm. IPA with some juice and I think there there's some actual citrus juice yeah. in there. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but, but this one is not one that I usually reach for uh, in part because 
when I go stout, I tend to go heavy stout, and this is kind of a on it's the lighter side of heavy, stout, yeah. right? We're um, only talking about five point eight, which yeah. is, you know, that is respectable for a, a beer, but I just always think not to end be taken lightly. It's yeah, it's decent. It's a go-to. Uh, one of my uh, favorite downtown uh, bars, House of Rock, almost always has this and some other Deep Ellum selections. Um, so yeah, I'll, Deep Ellum Deep Elm has been popular in Dallas for a long, long time. It was yeah. one of Texas' first crafts that became like a place to go hang out. Okay. So when they started distributing down here, uh, I was really excited to to ha- be able to add that to our portfolio, if you will. Mm-hmm. So one thing I will say is that whenever I saw that. Uncle Drew was coming out. I liked the idea of it. I thought it was funny watching like this old makeup kind of Kyrie version, like ball up people. Uh, it, it had like a kind of funny premise and I like Lil Rel a lot. He uh, was great in Get Out, but before that I re- liked him a lot on the Gerard Carmichael show. Yeah. Um, just as an aside, a show that was ahead of its time and then also like way behind the times yeah. all in one move somehow because it was like all in the family but it was also like not it was for today and, yeah uh i only caught a couple episodes of the show but i, I know watched, i know what you mean it, it it felt very much in some ways more like a 70s or 80s kind well, of which is very specifically what he was going for he right. said norman lear is like yep. those shows is like that's my hero that's what i've always wanted to do um just yeah but a very interesting idea to try to execute something like that uh like you know multi-camera sitcom in 2016 or whenever it was um mm-hmm. but i watched that whole first season i thought Lil Rel was funny i've always thought Jacques carmichael was funny so when i saw that he was the one leading this i was like okay this is this is gonna be i think he's gonna be good in this and i think he's gonna make it work and then i was surprised to find out that before Kyrie comes into play and before the other NBA players, it's a pretty awful movie for the first like 10 or 15 minutes. Like the stuff between Lil Rel and Nick Kroll is not that great. Um, I find Tiffany Haddish to be somewhat unwatchable in everything huh. that she's in. And so, I, you know, we're I'm watching it and I'm thinking like, oh man, what a, I don't think this is going to be a good hour and a half. I went and saw it at uh, Starplex just because of timing issues um, mm-hmm. of scheduling stuff. So they had the earlier showing, so I went there. Also not a good move. Um, I don't know. Every time I go, I'm like, oh, it won't be so bad. Just, just and I'm give, wrong every time. Right. Just to give our listeners some insight, this is the it's, – it's owned by AMC – um, the theater chain, although it wasn't always, they they must have bought out whoever it's was. It's gone a bunch of different, yeah, through and, different hands. And it's a theater that was originally open in the 90s, a multiplex. It, um, it was Corpus Christi's first stadium. Digital, theater. right? It, yeah. was, it, was, stadium. it was stadium no, it was seating and digital when that thing, uh, when that thing first opened, it, was, it became the theater. And, right. all, and the other theaters that were showing art films all closed. Right. Yeah. No one went to those theaters right. anymore. Right. So, but... In the past 20 years, it has fallen into disrepair. And at at this point, you know, Carlos, I'm on board with you. Like, unless I really have to, which I'm looking at this week because the film Sorry to Bother You is out and it's only playing there. Uh, I saw that no one else was showing that, which is, which I find interesting that Draft House is pushing these trailers for these movies so well, hard and then not seven showing screens. Them. They only have seven screens. And when you have it these blockbusters... It could get into the microfinancing of that uh, the AMC had some kind of first right thing. And then it goes uh, to Alamo. Well, that could be too. Later. I mean, you know, it's, That's interesting. It, it could be a deal. But part. in any case... In any case, Uncle Drew... Right. Um, 
just wanted to give I, some context yeah, why he context, was. I'm, yeah. I'm also the worst person to lead this episode. Well, no, I would say I'm give us feedback. Well, I would say give <laughs> us feedback on if rabbit holes bother um, you, because I mean that's the kind of conversation that I, we could have over a beer, yeah. just the rabbit holes, and we that's get back right. to the movie. That, that is that give is us the, feedback. Does do rabbit holes bother you? But yeah, let's get the back tangents. to the tangents. Um, you're not the worst person, Carlos. You're the best person. Go. I mean, it could be a 30 minute my favorite murder intro or something like that. Their intros go. Some podcast intros go for forever. But anyway, so I thought I was really in for it. And then inexplicably, I never in a million years would have thought that this was going to be the case. I watch a lot of basketball. I watch, you know, I enjoy the uh, halftime and uh, postgame coverage. Um, some people don't. Um, I like watching that stuff. And Chris Webber, a former, you know, a great NBA player in his time, is often a commentator on these. And he's really boring to watch talk about basketball he has a somewhat monotone kind of voice and he's just not really that interesting he's just kind of there and so when I saw that he was in this film I was like that's a weird choice (laughs) uh couldn't have gotten like Charles Barkley or Kenny like Mm -hmm. some of the other guys that Mm -hmm. are like in uh they probably just couldn't get Charles Barkley and had to go down the list but Chris Webber steals it. Mm-hmm. Like he shows up as preacher, and I thought he was so funny when he's Had trying he not to try been to in I don't think he's the been advertisements in. Well, at all. Or I, I, I and some, I ask because going into this, I, I will I will admit I didn't even realize that this was a Pepsi vehicle until uh, I started watching the film, and on the credits mm-hmm. it said it was a Pepsi production. Yeah, and that clued me in. And then after the fact, I went and looked, and oh yeah, this was a yeah, series yeah. of commercials. And I entered so, the same way. I had no context. Yeah, yeah, so I had seen the trailer, knew it was you know famous NBA players being mm-hmm. put in yeah. uh, makeup to to look old, pretending to be these old ballers coming back, and yeah, yeah. Um, I think he had been in the trailers, but not featured very prominently. Obviously, okay. you've got Lil Rel and Shaq, two like very big public figures. Sure. Um, and then Kyrie being like the center of it. So those three are going to get the most mm-hmm. uh, screen time in a trailer. And, and Tiffany Haddish, because you know, it's easy to sell a movie Tiffany Haddish is in these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's very popular. She's having a moment. She's having a big moment. She's in like 17 films this year. Every trailer they showed before Uncle Drew, Tiffany Haddish was in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Now, you've, you've already kind of mentioned how you don't necessarily click with Tiffany Haddish. Don't love her. I'm actually, I mean, I'm. I didn't really know her that well. I never saw. Was it Girls Trip that was the big breakout for her? There was a film so, called Girls yeah. Trip. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I I think I since the big breakout for her was her moment at the Oscars. She, I mean, she's had a bunch. Yeah, of moments. Th- it's controversial. Th- People are saying her name in the news a lot. No, I think so. But I think Girls Trip kind of put her on as a mainstream I, screen presence. I mean, yeah. I'll cut to my thought on this. If you, Tiffany Haddish had nothing to do in this movie. I mean, the script, no. I, I'll, I'll, no, it wasn't a huge, the script was so paper thin that they were like, just be funny being the gold digging girlfriend. Right. And she put her sass onto it. But I saw the trailer for night school and laughed a lot. And yeah. She's in that with, yeah. Um, Didn't laugh at with all. Uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin yeah. Hart. I yeah. hate him too. Okay. Well, this will be <laughs> uh, interesting. But, uh, but but so, once Chris so Webber comes Chris on, Weber Preacher, a, yeah. you start getting excited. He's really funny. It, he embraced the character. He did, and I thought he did good. I thought he did well with that that character. And then you know you bring in Reggie Miller, who's like this blind guy who's trying to drive. And like I've always thought Reggie Miller was kind of like you know he he always had some personality to him. And, right. Um, and so once all that start, once all those pieces start clicking, then you see Shaq doing the Shaq Fu. You know, a, <laughs> this giant man. And, right. You know, um, then I was like, wait, this is, I'm actually having a lot of fun now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of this is happening in the midst of some of the best musical moments 
in this movie when Kyrie is driving Lil Rel around and right. popping in the eight tracks. I mean, yeah. it's banger yeah. after yeah, banger that, that was after fun. That banger. Was fun. Uh, which I was trying to research the soundtrack before this, and it's a shame that none of that is featured in any of the official they didn't soundtrack do a Dazed and Oh, no kidding. Type of no, it's song. all like yeah, uh, a, it's all like ASAP Mob, Logic, more of a kind of the hip hop um, type. The yeah, side all the like hip hop trap yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, there's there is a song that Kyrie sings on that soundtrack. I haven't heard it yet, so it's hard to say. But if huh. it's any good or not. But anyway, I found the movie to be really fun. Some of, I found some of the moments to be somewhat emotionally poignant. Uh, I did shed a single tear in this movie um, when they're center court and he's given everyone uh, you know their present, their gifts their gift, yeah. and then boots puts the boots on and stands up for the first time in yeah. like however long like that now, was who, who's the player who plays boots Nate Robinson okay see th- now here I'll get to he's my a, he, he's a little he's not quite the like he wasn't in name. the echelon of I mean these. he was I mean he was one considered to be you know an incredible point guard he's like 5'11 and can like dunk on people and like ball as hard as anybody else but he was never that guy that was going to take you to the finals, he was never on a team that was had any kind of dynastic or, okay. tendencies or anything like that. He was a part of a championship Celtics team, I believe, oh, okay. um, but as the backup to Rajon Rondo. So still not the star mm-hmm. in that run. But, um, but yeah, definitely, you know, one of that, the That was a moment heroes. that hit you, yeah. Uh, but yeah. that, yeah, that and I, you know, Shaq's funny, man. The guy's good in movies. He is. He, you know, so so I come to this, and and I th- I may have already said something to to this end, but you know, I'm not a huge basketball fan, or and and I haven't even been surrounded by basketball fandom in many years. When I was growing up, my dad was a fan. I had you know brothers who were fans, so I would hear, and I lived in New England, so I'd hear about the Celtics, and it was during their dynastic run in the coming out of the 70s into the 80s into the early 90s and so i so i have some familiarity with some of these some, when we talk space jam i'll, I'll have a little more <laughs> a little right. more connection but but this was interesting for me where i'm just kind of seeing these guys i mean obviously i know who Shaq is um he's pretty unmistakable but really i have no idea who Kyrie Irving is other than he's been a star of the past few years i didn't know Nate Robinson until you just you know, sort of explained it to. So I just went in with this kind of, ooh, okay, I'm going to assume that these guys are big stars and premise of having them made up to look old is kind of funny. And so I had kind of low expectations. I'm like, okay, so the the joke is we're taking these guys who really are young, you know, Shaq's kind of getting up there, but we're going to make them up to look old and they're going to be able to do these crazy things because it's still actually young guys under the makeup. And so my lowered expectations, I like you, Carlos, first 15 minutes, I'm like, Okay, this kind of feels like paper thin plot that we're not really gonna. Okay, if this is the best we can do, Little Rel is funny. Um, you know, he he's he's got a good sort of timing and kind of delivery about his himself, and I think he played the downtrodden character as best he could. But there wasn't a ton to work with there. Um, I did think Nick Kroll was kind of off in a weird way. Like I usually find him funnier than yeah, he I was. Did in this film and I don't know if that's just because he wasn't comfortable playing this character or he was what? given it was one I, of his I think more he brought the character to it I'm gonna I'm gonna put on the Backstreet Boys razor right. thin beard I'm gonna <laughs> wear gold I'm gonna have these tattoos uh-huh. but then there was no words to give in for him to really do anything right with. I mean um Go, go ahead though Continue. Yeah, I, I have so, some thoughts so I had that kind of thing and I was worried I'm like man if this is banking on me caring about these guys in silly makeup later on in the film I'm just gonna be sort of snoring 20 minutes into this and I'm not gonna care 
But actually, once they started but playing those care. characters, I did. Like yeah. I, I thought that Kyrie Irving as Uncle Drew was an engaging character. It was fun to see him school the guys. I like the gimmick worked for me. Like once it started playing out, and I started seeing these guys do it as much as even watching the trailer, I thought eh, this is not going to be one for me. It started working, and I agree. I think that Chris. Chris Weber, you said, right? The guy who yeah, played Preacher. preacher. Yeah. I thought the Preacher character was great. I love the Lisa Leslie, their relationship. Like, yeah. it's it's kind of a cliche relationship in a way, but it it actually develops. It actually turns into something. Mm-hmm. She thought, becomes part of the squad later in the film. Exa- exactly. And I thought I thought about what you were saying about the cliche thing, and I was I was thinking, I was like, oh, is this really a great portrayal of this guy's wife or whatever? But then, and you always knew it was going to happen. But when she comes laced up, yeah, ready to ball, that's right. when. I mean, it just the even though it's somewhat predictable and like not like overly original or anything like that, it's just so satisfying. Yeah, that you're like, yes, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, so so it it won me over. Like once we actually got into pulling the team together, the road trip in the van, playing the eight tracks, going to meet these different characters, boots. I thought was a really interesting and kind of, and I thought he did a great job playing that character is this like I looked at he out of all of them was the one that I could look at and be like that might not be a guy in makeup that just might be an old man yeah. sitting in a wheelchair who's being wheeled around I think the hair helped too the but hair helps, yeah. um you know and and Shaq was ridiculous and I think you're right he does a really good job he's stone-faced when he needs to be he kind of pulls off the moves that he needs to on the court obviously that's his a, dance moves his dance okay, moves so <laughs> two things one the scene in the club where they do the dance off mm-hmm. with the with the young bloods yeah mm-hmm. uh, as uncle drew would say uh, <laughs> young blood young blood I, that oh, was i'm gonna start saying that i've been i have I been know, saying i don't that think lately. i can get away I've been, with I've it no, but it was satisfying that. to hear him say it <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's actually not a terrible actor i was surprised at how well he did as much because i didn't I just didn't expect him to have as that many lines. You uh-huh. know, I, I thought most of what they were going to give the NBA players to do was play, play basketball. Yeah. But, um, and then, you know, two spoilers. One, uh, when they're in the final, obviously they go to the final, um, and Shaq's in the hospital. Big spoiler. Um, every time they cut to him, it's hilarious, and yeah. it's only for a few seconds. Yeah. But he just has he has that innate like charisma where he can just be like looking at the camera and like make a slight little head move. Yeah. And Adam Sandler also proved that you can use Shaq in very small doses and he actually is funny, but to carry a film, no, no Shaq is you, not you one to carry a that film. Time. No, 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 no. Kazam. Uh, where, where did he, where did he, Oh, I see. Grown I didn't ups, see yeah. grown ups. Yeah. Whenever you ups. use him correctly and small doses, Shaq is a funny guy. Hilarious. And in this movie, he was, he, he was good. In fact, Oh, I'll let you guys finish. Uh, I just have one more thing really to say about other than the fact that I really enjoyed it. Um, is that, again, also a lot of these moments in this film are predictable, but just so satisfying to watch Lil pump fake Nick Kroll and then <laughs> hit the game-winning shot. Like, you always knew it was going to come down to that. Right. But... To watch, and I think the pump fake is where it really comes in, because to just watch it, if he had just like hit a three pointer in his face, that would be one thing. But to make him look silly and fly through the air past him, and then to come in and make, you know, it's these little things that even though you know they're coming, still nice to see, still gratifying, and still you leave the theater feeling like pretty good about the world. I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I, I like David. I have no basketball. I don't. I don't watch basketball. I'll watch the NBA finals, but you know. But I could name most of the players, the cameo players, and certainly Shaq and certainly Reggie Miller. But um, 
For me, the what you just said, Carlos, is the reason why I couldn't, why I'll never watch this movie again, and that's because the, all of the transparent cues as to what's going to be happening later in the film were just so distracting. Yeah, I saw it with my son, and he's a bit of a armchair film critic, and so he starts whispering to me the moment that uh, it's fi- we find out that Nick Kroll is the one that schooled the uh, the coach for Morale, our team. Yeah. He uh, Hunter leaned over to me and said at the end he's gonna school Nick Kroll <laughs> and then we started doing that the entire game the entire movie so whenever we meet um, wheelchair guys hot boots uh, granddaughter right I whispered to my son that's who he's gonna kiss at the end of the movie the, right. the, the star yeah and it was badass uh, like I knew it was gonna happen but yeah. it was still like you still got to watch this guy like overcome like a lifetime of shame and you know see, and ultimately I'm just I'm not of. the audience for the movie so if I'm gonna watch a movie that I'm clearly not the audience for I'm not gonna catch all the references and I'm not gonna you know uh, then you just got to produce a solid comedy that yeah. stands alone from the guest stars and the cameos. And uh, I laughed out loud a couple of times. The car chase was great. I thought Shaq's yeah. handling of the initial relationship with Drew uh, when they haven't yet uh, talked about the central conflict between them uh, was was actually really well done. I thought Shaq did a great job. I laughed out loud. I enjoyed it more than I thought that I would. But they missed an opportunity, I think, to put in a more solid script and comedic elements to make it transcend, I think, the audience that the, hmm. that the film is made for. So, I, you know, I, I can, if it's something that you are immediately led to because of your personal interests, go see it. And if not, you could probably skip it. I, I can see where you're coming from, Joe. I, I don't know that I will be drawn to watching this movie again unless I become a basketball fan there and suddenly go. these guys become more of a presence. Mm-hmm. Because I do think as much as I was able to get into those characters and their relationships, it would have been so much richer had I already cared about that, had I already right. thought these guys okay, were... So how do they get you into the film? It's the documentary-style introduction as to who uh, right. uh, Uncle Drew is, yeah. and uh, he dunked the ball, yeah. and photographic evidence shows that he was holding a ham sandwich in his <laughs> right. right hand. I was laughing. I was yeah. like, oh, hold on a you second. Know, They're going to do something smart here, and then it fizzles. Right. I mean, ham sandwich dunking is definitely yeah. something that we haven't seen enough of in right. film, so I... I uh, but an episode of ham sandwich <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beer and a ham sandwich, or movie and a ham sandwich. I don't know, but I, I Today get it's prosciutto. I we paired it with. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. What I think, uh, what I think, sort of dominates for me when I'm looking at that is that missed opportunity that you're talking about, where I feel like it starts out with that kind of ESPN esque, you know biographical thing produced by ESPN 30 for 30 Mm -hmm. documentary series was it okay so So, which which I thought was pretty well done the one thing that I thought was kind of missing that could have really helped like why does nobody in that community give a shit about Uncle Drew why does not like Lil Rel goes to the court to see him play. Nobody seems to know who this guy is. But wait, he's a legend. He's had an ESPN documentary he's a made legend about him. And he's hiding in plain sight at that moment. Yeah, I don't know. But then, wouldn't people become more aware? Because wouldn't the young bloods aren't connected to the myth and the okay. lore, like the old that's, guys in the barbershop. Okay, yeah, well then, JB Smooth, who J. made me laugh. Well, then there should have been like a bigger contingent of JB Smooth. He should have recruited like a section of the crowd that would yeah. have been rooting for Uncle Drew. I don't know. Like, I mean, he kind of did. He brought some folks. I guess the so. But I think I think the point of that bit is that he was this legend but he disappeared for so long that he he's been, been removed from the culture and okay. uh, and you know it is uh, it is a testament to like the current state of basketball that um, 
which I think that they're they're yeah. making a commentary on is that it's you know about stars and scoring and highlight reels and stuff, not about you know good play and good fundamental basketball, which is why you know the San Antonio Spurs are the greatest basketball <laughs> franchise that ever lived, <laughs> ever existed. Let me ask you a question: When do you all think it was a good move to not explain the Uncle Drew appellation, or was it because like I get. Now that I know it was a commercial, it makes sense to call an old man Uncle Drew and have him be this, you know, sort of, uh, you know, unheard of kind of basketball prowess for an old man. But when you're talking about a film where he was playing when he was in his late teens, early 20s, and they were calling him Uncle Drew, did that bother you that they didn't explain why they would be calling this kid Uncle? No. Okay. I didn't all right. Think I about did, it until this moment. Yeah, okay. That that, that did, was one I, thing when I they were doing about it, but it when it opened up with the ESPN thing, I'm like, okay, so they're going to tell I, me I, why they've always called him Uncle. But so uh, I figured that it was had, had been handled prior to this. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> so, how do we feel about this beer? I am enjoying it. Like I said, this is one I'm pretty sure that I've had in the past, but it, it's been a while. It's a tasty. Uh, you know, it's a little heavier than I remember it. I think. Like, it, it, I'm feeling it. I tell you what I'm enjoying most about this podcast experience is not hanging out with you guys at all, but rather, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's uh, forcing myself to try different styles. And I came to the conclusion that I am so prejudiced toward IPA when I walk into under those tap handles that I've, 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 I've quit ordering stouts and porters and yeah. all kinds of other styles. And um, so I'm trying to branch out more on See? purpose. And this thing is a very drinkable stout, but yeah. it's also, it seems to be hypercarbonated it is very yeah. carbonated. and um, l- less robust, so that you're, um, you're. It's almost like you're not taking the leap to that hard stout that a lot of people do not like. Yeah, right. I would I would say that's a fair assessment, and I'll, I'll, I'm I'll also it. say that I, like I experienced a very similar prejudice towards stouts and porters going mm-hmm. into a bar and looking at the tap handles. That similarly to your situation, uh, since starting this podcast, I have branched out a little bit. I had a uh, a um, Sour farmhouse ale from New Braunfels Brewing Company. I the saw other day, that. Yeah, um, that is not something I normally would have. Tried. Well, what were the style or styles that you would always gravitate to? Stouts, porters, um, anything kind of darker. And then, like, strangely enough, for whatever reason, I always liked the wheat. Yeah, like I, well, that makes it. And this is, you know, I was going to say this is. It's billed as a sweet stout. It's a or a milk stout. Um, not quite, but no, but not you, bad. You are you are getting. I'm getting more of that sweetness than I do yeah. in a typical. You know, just I would, yeah, I would say that's true. But yeah. it, it's you know, I think for me when I see uh, milk stout or anything like that, anything that kind of is in that realm of of beer, um, I always put it up to the left hand nitro milk stout. That's always yeah. for me kind of the well that the and bar. That's, that is definitely one that is um, well loved by yeah, craft great. beer enthusiasts. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, that one's can't lose with yeah. that one. Um, but yeah, this is a nice drinkable uh, milk stout, stout, yeah. and I'll I'd put this in my fridge. Yeah. Definitely, and you know, earns its uh, title of local legend. Certainly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. So, whenever we come back, we are going to talk about a, another basketball movie that I would say is in the top two all-time basketball movies of all time. Ooh, uh, let's hear what so, that other one is too. Uh, we'll get there in a second when we come back. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now We got the real jam going down Welcome to the Space Jam Here's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam Alright 
Welcome back to Beer in a Movie. Um, we are going to cap off our Uncle Drew episode by talking about Space Jam. Both are basketball movies. Both star um, some of the biggest um, NBA icons of their generation, of their time period. Uncle Drew, obviously, being Kyrie Irving and Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. And Space Jam, no introduction necessary. The greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit different, and that is because I, Carlos, the sound engineer of this podcast, royally screwed this episode up. All of the Uncle Drew stuff went well. However, for the Space Jam discussion, the audio, through some weird technical difficulty complication, is totally unlistenable. It's truly awful and I'm not going to subject you the listener to that so rather than having a roundtable discussion I'm kind of just going to solo um, discuss some Space Jam things now the first thing that I want to discuss when we are talking about Space Jam is how truly just disappointed I am that we were not able to um, include the full discussion between uh, Joe, David, and at this point, Ethan had joined the podcast. So I'm very disappointed we're not going to be able to include that conversation for a number of reasons. One, it was a very heated debate. I love Space Jam. It's the greatest basketball movie of all time. I don't care what anybody says. That may or may not be a hot take, whatever. I'll take the heat for that. Greatest basketball movie of all time, starring the greatest basketball player that has ever played the game. I don't want to hear any of this LeBron nonsense. Ethan tried to come at me with that when we were having our original conversation, and I'm not hearing it. I want nothing to do with it. That is a ridiculous statement to make, uh, that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. Um, we're not having any of that here today, at least while I'm running the show solo. There's nobody here to uh, contest that statement. But also, it was interesting when we were having the discussion to hear me really go to bat for this movie, having been four years old when it was originally released. Uh, came out in 96. I was born in 92. Now, in comparison... A lot of um, my podcast uh, co-hosts would have been seniors in high school, seniors in college, uh, much older when it came out, much more discerning moviegoers, um, had a different relationship with the Looney Tunes than I did, um, a different relationship with who Michael Jordan was at the time, a different relationship with film and what they wanted out of film. So it was interesting to hear that dialogue between... Um, my nostalgic just like you know maybe irrational love for this movie i wouldn't say that it's irrational because it's a fantastic movie i've seen it as an adult holds up still slaps but um we also had a really interesting conversation with joe where he talked about being at a, a family gathering around christmas time trying to find a movie that a 12-year-old can enjoy and that a 50-year-old can enjoy or 40-year-old or 60-year-old or however many, you know, however big the age gap is. And Space Jam being the go-to for that scenario, um, it's a fun movie. Everyone can enjoy it. It's got laughs. It's got great basketball. It's got Bill Murray. I mean, I don't even have to say anything else. It has Bill Murray. What more do you want? You had me at that. So... Unfortunately, we're not going to get to hear that full discussion, but because I enjoyed it and I thought that it was uh, a worthwhile talk, I wanted to um, 
just touch on those things before I move on to what I'm going to spend the majority of the end of this episode talking about. If you're going into this movie looking for a really thick plot, looking for a lot of character development, you are setting yourself up for failure. Um, That's not really what it is. But what it is is, as I've said a number of times, a lot of fun. And I don't think that we should discount it just because it's not an art house film. This movie has been hugely culturally significant um, just in the pop culture zeitgeist since its release. The Toon Squad, that logo, if you've seen the film, you'll recognize anywhere. There's been a number of homages to it, a number of plays on it. Um, You also have the iconic Jordan 11s, the Space Jams. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the Space Jam Jordans, not only have they appeared in numerous uh, lines in hip-hop songs and in other various media, pop culture, whatever, but they play a significant role in Uncle Drew insofar as Casper, who was Rel's star player that Nick Kroll's character snakes from him, uh, Casper wants Rel to buy him and the entire team Space Jam Jordans. Not a cheap endeavor to buy five people pairs of this particular sneaker. Um, Kind of sets up some of the financial struggle that Rel is going to experience um, in the film Uncle Drew. But for over 20 years later, another basketball movie who is trying to sell its own stuff. I mean, there's plenty of product placement in Uncle Drew. And not only that, but Uncle Drew also attempts a branded sneaker. The day Uncle Drew comes out, the Kyrie 4 drops the Uncle Drew colorway. Um, It's like a white with a gum sole and some spackle on it. Um, There was also sent out to press and friends and family the Uncle Drew box. It's a two-pack of the Kyrie 4 sneakers, and it has the Uncle Drew edition in there, and it also has the now kind of classic and iconic uh, red carpet Kyrie 4s in there as well. The uh, It's packaged in this box that has two drawers where each set of sneakers comes out. It's lined with you know a carpet in there. So for a film that's trying to do what Space Jam did to still come back around and reference that particular sneaker that kind of, you know, the Jordan started it all, really, I mean back to the Jordan 1. Still hugely significant culturally. Great fun film. The main thing though that makes this film so dope is the soundtrack. The soundtrack slaps. Anybody that says otherwise has not heard the soundtrack. So the main thing that I want to do at the end of this episode, and I won't spend too much time on it, I'm not going to play every single track that I'm going to talk about, but I do want to go through and talk about the soundtrack a little bit because it is an incredible soundtrack. Now, the music that you're going to be hearing is going to be taken from the Space Jam 2 LP Record Store Day Edition um, Galactic Blue and Black Swirl Colored Vinyl, I think is what it was, um, that I copped about a year ago. As you guys know, I own a record store, and that particular Record Store Day event Everybody was coming in asking for Space Jam. So to this day, I had, you know, there are grown men coming in here a couple of hours after opening saying, hey, you still got copies of that Space Jam? And, you know, I'm having to turn away 20, 30, 40-year-old dudes who are just, who are trying to cop this thing that got here too late. Everybody was asking for it all day. If that doesn't tell you how timeless, uh, at least the music in Space Jam is, if not the film itself is, and I don't know what will. 
So up first, right out of the gate, the first track on the album is Fly Like an Eagle. Um, I may make a lot of enemies talking about this soundtrack because I'm going to say some maybe controversial things, but the Steve Miller band sucks. I don't think that I've ever wanted in my entire life to listen to the Steve Miller band, but this seal version of Fly Like an Eagle um, really sets it off. Um, Great start to the soundtrack, so we're going to listen to a little bit of that right now. So just to give you a little taste of this particular cover, I, for one, am a huge, huge fan of uh, covers and cover songs. Um, I really enjoy hearing um, an artist put their own spin on um, a song that is either totally out of their wheelhouse, it's an entirely separate genre, or is like separated by huge amounts of time. Uh, this one is not separated by a huge amount of time, but I think that it does have uh, some element of both of those things that makes it uh, really dope, makes it a uh, really good way to start off the soundtrack. Now, you know, we heard the iconic Space Jam soundtrack and the transition from Uncle Drew into Space Jam, Come On and Slam, the Quad City, uh, the Quad City DJs. Uh, so I don't need to play that one again. But just to kind of really hone in on what a big cultural moment this movie was and like you know how big it was at the time, uh, you know I want to play the second track because it is a, it's a Coolio song. Um, you know, not an insignificant MC at the time had some pretty big hits definitely very relevant um appears on this record so we are going to uh listen to a little bit of the winner by coolio it's time to take it to us for potential beat this and drop some game on the instrumental and it's essential that you listen close and run to tell your folks that the locust spoke. First things first, since your date of birth, you've been kind of confused about what your life is worth. 50 million times your 
weight and go, you gotta take control Cause fools don't let it be on You can do anything that you wanna do All you gotta do is put your brain into it Take your time and educate your mind And in the long run, I'm sure you'll find That if you walk the walk, you can talk the talk But don't wait too long, cause life is short And remember, no matter what they're telling you If you try, you can be a winner too Keep on pushing, moving on Now that's just a taste of this joint. Um, I think a very effective use of a sample. Um, Coolio's got bars. That being said, not the hardest bars on this soundtrack. And I can't stress that enough. So we are going to get into a couple more of these songs. Uh, one of them I'm going to gloss over really quickly because I don't really need to talk about it that much. But the next we're going to get really deep into. Um, so... The next song from this soundtrack that really, again, really helps Space Jam, you know, make its mark, really solidify itself is the gigantic hit single, I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly. Now, this is another reason that I'm a little upset that the audio that we recorded in our discussion wasn't usable because... Most of my co-hosts do not have positive feelings about I Believe I Can Fly. Now, I understand not having positive feelings about R. Kelly. I, you know, that, I get that. Uh, not a discussion that we're going to have right now. A much more complex discussion than we can get into in the short amount of time on this podcast. Totally reasonable. And I understand not wanting to listen to R. Kelly's music because of who he is. Again, totally reasonable. But to say that I Believe I Can Fly doesn't objectively slap and isn't an objective banger is absolutely outrageous, if you ask me. Now, that's all we'll say about that. The sales and the, you know, charts and all that kind of stuff have already, you know, said what I believe I can fly is or how it's going to be remembered, yada, 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 whatever. You guys know about that song. Everybody's heard it. We're going to move on. The next song after I Believe I Can Fly I very strongly and adamantly believe is one of the greatest hip-hop tracks, hip-hop posse tracks, to come out in the 1990s. Very often overlooked because it was a part of a quote-unquote kids movie or whatever, but we're talking about Hit em High, the Monstar anthem. The Monstars, if any of you listening to this haven't seen Space Jam, um, are the group of aliens from uh, Monster Mountain, I believe, is the name of the planet that they're from. Uh, it's run by Danny DeVito or whatever. They come down to Earth. They steal Charles Barkley's talent, Patrick Ewing, Muggsy Bose, etc., turn into these giant, monstrous basketball players, wreck the Looney Tunes. You know how it goes. You know how all that stuff plays out. So their anthem... For this track, we are talking about, we've got Be Real from Cypress Hill, we've got Busta, we've got Coolio, we've got LL Cool J, and we have M-E-T-H-O-D, Method Man. If that's not an all-star 90s hip-hop lineup, I really don't know what it is. I can't imagine for a movie soundtrack, for a better lineup of MCs, 
to be assembled. So we're going to give this track a little bit of a listen here. Here we Greeting, go. Earthlings, we have now taken over your radio. Supreme competition is about to begin above the rim Finessing it moves is animated uh, Once I get the ball in, I can't be deflated nah. A rugged part my monster stars is getting money, money When clicks money. get to bugging, I'm snatching up their bunnies uh, Every step I take shakes the ground I make you break your ankle, son, shake you down This is my planet, I'm about business The best that ever done it, can I get a witness? Uh, a cumulus cloud bring darkness up above You in it for the money or in it for the love, MJ? Three ways to make a pay Lounging in the mothership back around my way oh. uh, A 28 light years old If the refs get political Dribble like Bob Dole Am I getting lyrical? Daddy, I think so Monster drop a flavor fluid So dream slow Stop! 
That song is so hard for coming from a Looney Tunes movie. There's two things that we just learned. One, that song is hard as fuck. Two, I really need to clean my records. A lot of kind of noise and static coming from that one. Now I'm looking at the time here and I see that I've already eaten up quite a bit, which I did not expect to do. I really expected this to be like a quick, maybe like 10 minute thing since it's just me and we're not having a full roundtable discussion. However, I tend to be very long-winded, which I should have known going into this. So that has not happened, but I want to go down some of the track list a little bit. Um, right after that track, this is side B track 36 song altogether. We've got D'Angelo. I found my smile again. D'Angelo is on your soundtrack. Like what? That's hard. D'Angelo is amazing. Uh, that's non-negotiable. We're not arguing that point. D'Angelo is top 10 soul all time done deal um we've got salt and pepper classic super classic um also if you uh disagree with me that salt and pepper is classic hit us up on twitter come at me i'm ready to have that argument i'm ready to go to battle on that one um we also have barry white and chris rock now this is one of my favorite tracks on this album because i think it's one of the most memorable tracks at least for me when i was a kid um, I remember this song from this movie um, really, really vividly, but it's Basketball Jones. You've got Barry White doing what Barry White does. And then Chris Rock doing what uh, Chris Rock does over uh, Basketball Jones, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not looking at the liner notes, originally a Cheech and Chong song. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I could be, but um, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And then... Uh, the last four or so tracks. Um, we've got another R. Kelly joint. This one features Jay-Z. I mean, you've got Hove on your soundtrack. You've got Busta. You've got Meth. I mean, come on. That's that's next level. Um, and then we've got Spin Doctors featuring Biz Marquee. That's the way I like it. That's an interesting one. Definitely uh, not super expected, I would say. But the last one I think we have to listen to a little bit of and you know i know i've been rambling on for a while but this is one that we cannot omit from the discussion the final track on the soundtrack is by none other uh famed acclaimed mc uh icon in the rap game bugs bunny we got the track bugging let's check a little bit of that out Shh. What? Who says the bunny can't ride? 
Okay, so admittedly, that's kind of whack, but I give them the points for effort for putting Bugs Bunny on a track. Um, also, already correcting myself, I said Monstar or Monster Mountain earlier. It's Moron Mountain. Um, in the original discussion that we had about it, I also forgot the name of that place in the film. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I can't remember it. But anyway, to have Bugs Bunny come on a track hype up the clout of Warner Brothers, their bank account, and dig at Michael, the star of your movie, that's hard. That's all I got to say is that's hard. Um, But anyway, that pretty much wraps up our Space Jam Uncle Drew episode. Um, As you can see, the Space Jam soundtrack is hard. Um, They put Bugs Bunny, one of their stars, at the end of it. of, of that soundtrack, just like uh, Uncle Drew did with Kyrie on the song Ridiculous. Um, that closes out the uh, Uncle Drew soundtrack. Um, also a pretty decent soundtrack, very hip-hop, uh, like the Space Jam soundtrack is. Starts off with ASAP Ferg's Harlem Anthem, which is pretty hard. Um, but yeah, that about wraps it up. Um, just to kind of punctuate this episode, another thing that I was a little disappointed. I'm very, as you guys have probably figured out by listening to this, I'm very disappointed that we didn't have the audio that was usable for the Space Jam discussion that we all had for a number of reasons, but the last reason is because for for me personally, um, as I've mentioned and as Joe loves to mention, literally as often as he possibly can, I am the youngest on the show. Um, I'm 26. I think that the next closest to me is probably like another 10 or so, give or take maybe two or three years in either direction, Uh, years older than I am. Um, So when it comes to bringing beer to the podcast, I do not have the same level of experience and or uh, expertise as my co-hosts do. Um, they've been drinking craft beer a lot longer than I have. Um, they have, you know, deeper cellars than I have where they can pull from things that have been released in the last two, three, four, maybe even five, six, seven, eight years. Um, obviously, you know, that's something that comes with time, uh, experience, you know, um, all that kind of thing. Um, but this episode, I brought a beer and it's probably the the first beer that I've brought, I think that's not like already super well known, um, that received unanimous praise from everybody at the table. Um, it's a beer that I really enjoyed. Um, I won David over with it. Um, Joe really liked it. Ethan, you know, everybody was digging on this one, and it is from Tall Grass Brewing Company. This is a craft brewery out of Manhattan, Kansas, um, and the particular beer that I brought was the Raspberry Jam, uh, just like I went local legend with the Deep Ellum Sweet Stout for Uncle Drew. I brought the jam into the Space Jam part of the episode, which obviously we're not going to get to hear, but I am drinking a Raspberry Jam right now because it came in a six-pack and not just a bomber. It is delicious. Um... I remember David being very uh, pleased that the nose really has a strong, in your not in your face, but 
really does kind of smell like raspberry jam. It's enjoyable. Uh, it's about four five or four three, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, good sessionable beach beer. Take a six pack out with you uh, to the beach, the river, the lake, whatever it is that you're doing in the summertime. So yeah, to close this episode out, I'm gonna toot my own horn and say that I brought a beer that everyone liked um, and that I crushed it. So that was cool. Um, let the record show that that did happen, despite the fact that I don't have any evidence of it happening. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be it for us, Uncle Drew. I really enjoyed. Everyone else was a little lukewarm about it. Space Jam, I love. Everyone else was a little lukewarm about it. See the movies. Tell us what you think. If you've seen Uncle Drew, let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, I believe Twitter is at uh, Beer and Movie Show or at Beer and a Movie Show, something like that. Um, Instagram at Beer and a Movie. Um, I want to say Facebook is facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX. If I'm not mistaken, but I might be, so don't hold me to that. Um, you can find us on the website, beerandmoviepodcast.com. You can uh, find the episodes there, the summaries, photos of the beers that we're drinking, uh, photos of the movie posters for the movies that we are watching. Uh, the podcast is on Spotify, so that's really cool. That's kind of newer. Um, I don't think we've recorded since that happened. So if you are a Spotify user and not an Apple user, um, Spotify is where you can go if you've been wondering where to get it. Uh, go there, Beer in a Movie. Should pop up pretty easily. Um, subscribe to it. Um, if you are an iPhone slash Apple user, the podcast app, we're available there. Um, subscribe so you can keep up to date with new episodes. We are slowly transitioning to a weekly schedule where we've been somewhat bi-weekly before. Um, so we've got plenty of Beer in a Movie coming your way. Subscribe, stay up to date. And if you want to, if you like the podcast, if you hate the podcast, whatever, rate and review it. That really helps us um, when we can see those ratings. And specifically the reviews, the reviews really help so we can kind of know what it is about the podcast you like, what you don't like, um, what kind of things we should do in the future. Tweet at us, did you like Uncle Drew, did you hate it? All that kind of stuff. What should we be watching? What should we be drinking? We want to know what you guys are looking for. And... Let us know if uh, there's a certain themed kind of episode, maybe not a new release, but uh, should we do a John Carpenter episode? Um, should we do, um, I remember David mentioning a John Cassavetes episode. I'm very unfamiliar with the director. That could be cool. Um, what kind of theme, we could do a rom-com episode. That sounds dope. I love a good rom-com. Let us know what you think. Um, I'm just popping off at the top of my head right now, but if there's something you think we should do, let us know and you might hear that episode in the future. But um, until then, this has been Beer in a Movie. I hope you enjoyed my solo kind of ender to this episode. Um, and uh, we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.